0: on april the 21st 1959 a man by the name of alfred dean caught a pretty large fish matter of fact set a world record that still exists the largest fish caught uh by as far as recorded history is concerned it was a great white shark here's a picture it's alfred standing next to his shark 2,664 pounds is what that fish weighed. And Alfred, he caught it using a porpoise as a bait, porpoise as his bait. Well, once upon a time, God caught a pretty big fish, we know. Um, Except he didn't use porpoise as bait, he used a man by the name of Jonah. And over the next several weeks, we're going, next five weeks, we're going to look at some lessons that you and I can learn from that fish bait. A man named Jonah, all the good, the bad, and all that's in between. But we need to start with asking the question, what is the book of Jonah really about? I mean, when we, you know, familiar child story, we think of the fish, we think of Jonah. What, what is it that this story is really about? Well, it's not just about the fish. I mean, the fish is mentioned four times. It's not about the fish. It's not about a city named Nineveh that's mentioned nine times. It's not about the prophet Jonah himself who's mentioned about 18 times. The book of Jonah is about God. You see God mentioned 38 times in four short chapters. Without him, if you take God out of the story, the story doesn't make sense at all. The book of Jonah is is about the will of God and how we respond to it. It's also about the love of God and how we share it with others. It's about understanding the will of God, responding properly in obedience to that, but also our willingness, are we willing to share the love of God with others even if we don't like those people that God is calling us to share his love with? So we explore, as we explore this book, we're going to look at how we respond to God's will. We're going to learn some lessons from Jonah, our fish bait, on how to share the love of God while serving in the will of God. I I think We probably would all agree, or at least most of us would agree, that we want to be in the will of God. I'm assuming that you're here this morning, at least in part because you want to know God's will for your life. Is that a fair assumption? For the most part. Uh, I know that's what I want for my life. That's what I want for my wife, for my kids, my family. I want to know God's will, and I want to live in God's will. Well, what we're going to learn through this series, lessons learned from fish bait, we're going to learn about the will of God and how we can live in God's will, respond properly to his will. We're going to start in Jonah chapter one, as you can imagine, and we will read uh, today just the first three verses of of Jonah chapter one, beginning in verse one, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai, get up, go to the great city of Nineveh. And preach against it because there is wickedness. Their wickedness has confronted me. Basically, God's saying, you know what? I've had all I'm going to take. Their wickedness is out of control. I'm sending you as a messenger to preach a message of judgment in the hopes that they will repent. Um, God knows what they're going to do, but Jonah does not. He is just called to share the message, to go and share the judgment of God and the possibility of the grace of God, if they will turn from their sin. Verse, verse 3, however, Jonah got up to flee to Tarshish from the Lord's presence. He went down to Joppa, found a ship going to Tarshish. He paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the Lord's presence. Jonah decides he's going to run from the Lord. Now, God speaks to his people because he loves us and he wants to involve us in his kingdom work. That's what he does with Jonah here. He says, hey, Jonah, I want to use you to take this message to the people, these wicked people in Nineveh. He does the same for us. He says, I want to involve you in what I'm doing. I don't have to, I don't need you, but because I love you, because I want you to know me, to know my will, to know my ways, to know me personally, I want you to obey me and I want to involve you in the work that I'm doing for my kingdom on earth. He calls us. Now, we need to be able to recognize the voice of God and to respond properly to the voice of God. There are some realities about how God speaks, about the call that He places on each of our lives that we need to understand and we need to know how to respond properly to when God speaks to us. We need to know how to respond to God's voice correctly. And that's what we're going to look at specifically this morning. There are some realities that will help us learn some lessons on how to respond to God's voice. Reality number one, when God speaks, if you are a child of God, you will know it. Hey, sometimes even those who aren't children of God, when God speaks, they know it. Uh, But for those of us who are followers of Christ, when God speaks to you, you are going to know it. Now, we see the first part of the verse. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. There wasn't a question of whether or not God was speaking to him. That wasn't Jonah's problem. He didn't question it, whether or not it was the voice of God. He knew that it was the voice of God. His problem comes in obedience, but, but he knew God was speaking to him. So the question for us, how do we know when God is speaking to us? How do we know for sure that it's God? Well, I believe we see in Scripture that God speaks primarily in four ways. He speaks first and foremost through his word, through the scriptures. That is why we have the Bible. It is God's revelation of himself to man. It is his word, which is alive and it is active. We hear the voice of God speak through his word as we study the Bible personally, as we read the Bible devotionally, as we gather together and hear the Bible spoken Whether it's through a sermon or in Sunday school or whatever the case may be, we hear it. So by hearing it, by reading it, by studying it, by memorizing it, by meditating on it, and then applying it to our lives, the Word of God becomes alive as we apply it daily, the truth of God's Word. So He speaks to us through His Word. He also speaks to us through the Holy Spirit. That still small voice of the Holy Spirit, God speaks to us. As we read his word, he speaks to us through his word. The Holy Spirit speaks to us. As we pray, we, you know, prayer is a two-way conversation. We speak, but the Holy Spirit speaks to us if we will listen to him. As we live our lives daily walking in communion with God, that ongoing conversation with God, the Holy Spirit speaks to us and he shows us What to do, what not to do, what decisions to make. The Holy Spirit guides us. He speaks also through our circumstances. You know, what are are your circumstances? You're looking, trying to determine the will of God for your life. Where has God placed you right now? Look at your surrounding circumstances. What are the opportunities that He's given you to serve? What are the open doors? What are the closed doors? You can't just go on circumstances, but God does use our circumstances to show us what he wants us to do in our life? Um, I'll, I'll never forget. When early in, in my, my ministry, we knew we felt God was leading us to, to make a change pretty soon. Uh, it was the first church that I'd pastored, and we were contacted by a church in Memphis. And everything seemed to be pointing in that direction, uh, everything. You know, as we went further with the committee, it just seemed God was confirming another you know advice that I was getting. Uh, we just felt like the Holy Spirit was leading us there. But then, all of a sudden, at the end, near the end of the process, circumstances changed, and God closed that door. And, and I, didn't, I didn't understand it at the time. Come to find out later, there was some, some, and I won't go into detail, but there were some pretty bad things happening in that church that had happened through the years. And God spared us from something we didn't know about. The circumstances changed. I didn't understand it. But later on, I was able to see the big picture. Sometimes God uses our circumstances to close a door. Um, Can't just go on circumstances, but he does use circumstances. God also uses other believers, mature Christians. Now, be careful who you seek advice from, okay? Make sure they're walking with the Lord, they're mature in their faith. But God can use those people countless times in my life. God has used people to to speak truth to me uh, and, and help me discover God's will, his will for my life. So all of these things. But here's the thing. You, you always need to compare 2, 3, and 4 to the Word of God. The Word of God, God doesn't contradict Himself. So if your circumstances seem to be opposite of where God's leading in His Word... The Word of God will show you. If the Holy Spirit seems to contradict the Word of God, God doesn't contradict himself. It may not be the Holy Spirit that's speaking to you. You have to be careful. If if people are giving you counsel that is opposite what you're seeing in the Word of God, the Word of God, God is not going to contradict himself. When we knew that God had called us here to Wall Highway about a year and a half ago, Mandy and I began to sense that God was preparing us for a change in our ministry, and that's every time we've made a change, that's that's how it's happened for us. Everybody's different, but but God would would begin to prepare our hearts. Okay, and we were at a conference. Johnny Hunt does the Timothy Barnabas conference every year at different locations, and we the only place we could go. We love going to that conference. The only place we could go that year was Branson, Missouri. Everywhere else was booked. It was closer, so we went to Branson, Missouri. We knew God. We had begun to pray. You know, Lord, you know, just show us what you want us to do. Uh, we want to to be content where we are, serve you. And as we were at this conference, we began to meet people, and most of the people there were from outside the Bible Belt. They were ministering in areas outside the Bible Belt. And so, in the middle of us knowing that God was preparing us for something, we began to hear testimonies and, and these folks share with us godly men and women, pastors, wives that were serving, and we thought, okay, God must be preparing us for ministry outside the Bible Belt somewhere else. She grew up in St. Louis. So, you know, we were open to, to, to living somewhere else. And we really began to pray that way. We really felt like, Hey, God's preparing us for something that is outside of what we thought. Well, several months later, the committee from here contacted us and, you know, God began to work through these different areas. He began to work through other people. He began, the Holy Spirit started to direct us to you guys. And then he gave me the first sermon I preached here in view of a call, 1 Kings 18, where God called Elijah to go to a place and do things that seemed contrary to human reason. See, we felt God leading us, circumstances put us at this conference, godly people sharing with us. We felt God leading us outside the Bible belt, but then I realized through God's word that what I think doesn't always match what God wants. Okay? Here was the the thing. After all of that, and looking at the whole picture, I realized that God wasn't leading us outside the Bible Belt. He was leading us to a place where people from all over the country were moving from outside the Bible Belt. I mean, what more what I don't know of a place, I'm sure there are places that are as diverse as Madison, Alabama. People from all over the country. So you see, God's plan was perfect, and he was preparing our hearts for ministry unlike anything we had ever done, but I had to see the big picture. Had I just gone on circumstances, had I just gone on that experience at that conference, I wouldn't have been open to coming to Madison, Alabama. But God used all of it, always, always affirm and reaffirm in the scriptures look at first john 4 1 beloved do not believe every spirit but test the spirits to see whether they are from god because many false prophets have gone out into the world always affirm and reaffirm what you think god is saying with what he has said in his word god will never contradict himself it's important to follow the instructions of Joshua 1.8. Do not let this book of law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything that's written in it. We need to know it and apply it to our lives. Make it a part of who we are. Then you will be prosperous and successful in terms of fulfilling God's purpose for your life. If you know God's voice, there will be no doubt when he speaks to you. If you're walking in fellowship with God, he will speak. You will know it. But that's no guarantee that you're going to do what he says, which leads us to reality number two. When God speaks, you will have a decision to make. Will I obey or will I disobey? There is no middle. As a matter of fact, instant obedience is only, the only real obedience. If I hesitate, that's disobedience. And then, of course, there's outright disobedience, but you know, God's calls on our life, His tasks are always God-sized, and there, there's intent in that. If we could do it, we wouldn't need Him. But because they're God-sized, they can be scary, can't they? God calls us to do things when we don't know how it's all going to work out. We don't know all of the details. We have to trust him. And sometimes God calls his people to suffer trials, tribulation, persecution for his name's sake. Those are scary things. And the assignment that God had given Jonah was scary for a lot of reasons, but and we'll get into that in a minute. But the point being here is don't make the mistake, and I've heard this before. People say, "Well, listen, if if you're going through trials, if you're going through tribulations, you know, times things are tough in your life, you must be out of outside of God's will. If life isn't going well, you must be doing something wrong or the opposite, right? If everything's going well, circumstances are good. Everything is, you know, it seems to be working the right way. Well, hey, you must be, you must be doing something right. The problem with that is very seldom do we see that actually played out in scripture, As a matter of fact, most of the time, it's the opposite for God's people. They're experiencing horrible circumstances while fulfilling God's will for their lives. Down through the centuries, time and time again, with God's people both in the Bible and outside of the Bible, the going was not easy. More times than not, they suffered incredibly. I shared with you a few weeks ago, the fate of the disciples suffered incredibly as they were fulfilling god's will for their lives so circumstances can be deceiving look at hebrews 11 38 36 through 38 we see the destiny of some of those faithful people some were jeered at their backs were cut open with whips others were chained and prison some died by stoning some were sawed in half others were killed with the sword some went about wearing skins of sheep goat sheep and goats Destitute, oppressed, mistreated. They were too good for this world, wandering over deserts and mountains, hiding in caves and holes in the ground. Now sometimes we see in Hebrews, the same book and other examples, we see people spared, their lives spared because of their faith. But many times we see those who are martyred because of their faith. Their lives are taken from them because of the stand that they take. Fulfilling God's purpose for their lives, living in His will. You cannot just depend on your circumstances. You know, sometimes your circumstances can be favorable and you be outside the will of God. Sometimes unfavorable, you're in the will of God. You can't depend on just that. But even in the midst of unfavorable circumstances, hear me God promises that He will always be with you, regardless of the difficulties. That you may face. George McDonald once said this. He said, God will help us when we cannot walk. He will help us when we find it hard to walk, but He cannot help us if we will not walk. We have to walk. And right now, Jonah's not walking. Matter of fact, he's running the other direction. He's unwilling to obey God. He's unwilling to take that step of faith. He's unwilling to trust the Lord. You can almost see him on this ship thinking he's gotten away with it, right? Maybe looking over the side of the ship thinking this is going to be a great trip. You know, I like boats. I like being on the water. Whatever the case is, he's thinking he's gotten away with it. His circumstances even seem to be pointing toward the fact he's gotten on this ship. He was able to get the ticket. He, it seems like he's headed his own way. But circumstances can be deceiving. Things don't always aren't always as they appear, which leads us to the next reality. When God speaks, hearing is not the same as obeying. Jonah couldn't have been further away from God's will for his life. He heard, he, remember there's no question as to whether or not this is God speaking to him. It's clear. He heard the message. But he chose not to obey. Look again at verse 2. Get up, God says. Go to the great city of Nineveh. Preach against it because their wickedness has confronted me. However, Jonah got up and fleed to Tarshish from the Lord's presence. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. He paid the fare, went down in, in, into it to go with him to Tarshish from the Lord's presence. Now, if Jonah's a prophet of God, which he is, Think of all the prophets, great prophets in Scripture. If he's a prophet of God, then why is he running away from God? There have been a lot of people, a lot of time spent trying to determine that. But what it boils down to is just the plain and simple fact that Jonah, his attitude was wrong. He he just had a wrong attitude. He had the wrong attitude toward the will of God, for one thing. I mean, he, he obeying God's will... It's just as important to God's servant, for those of us who want to serve God, obeying God's will is just as important to us as we serve him as it is to the people that we will serve. I mean, it is just as much for our benefit as it is for those people that God calls us to minister to. But Jonah had a wrong attitude toward God's will. He, he didn't realize or wasn't thinking about the fact that, that it's through obedience to God's will that we gain spiritual nourishment. Look at John four thirty four. Jesus explained, My nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work. Nourishment to grow spiritually. You can have head knowledge. You can even have heart knowledge. But until you obey God and apply that to your life, it's not going to change you. It's how that's how God grows us as we obey him. He grows us. It's nourishment spiritually. It's also that's how we gain enlightenment. It's through obedience to God that we gain enlightenment. Jesus said this in John 7:17, 7, if anyone chooses to do God's will, he will find out whether my teaching comes from God or whether I speak on my own. Applying God's will to your life is how it becomes alive. The Word of God is alive, it is active, it can penetrate the deepest, darkest places of your being. But as I learn truth and then I live it out, it's how it becomes, the truth becomes alive to me. Applying God's life, uh, applying His truth to my life, He grows me and I really discover its meaning. It goes from head knowledge to changing me, transforming me into the image of Jesus. We also gain enablement through obedience. God equips us as we obey him. It's part of faith. We don't always know how and when he's going to equip us, but he does. Hebrews 12, thirteen twenty one, May he equip you with all that you need for doing his will, and he will do that. May he produce in you through the power of Jesus Christ every good thing that is pleasing to him. All glory to him forever and ever. Amen. He equips us as we obey. So, Jonah had the wrong attitude toward the will of God. He didn't realize it was just as much, obedience was just as beneficial to him as it was to those he had to preach a message to. He also had the wrong attitude toward the Word of God. He thought that he could take it or leave it. What Jonah's doing here is what so many people today are guilty of. He's taking the buffet approach to the Word of God. I'm going to take what I like what I agree with, and I'm going to ignore what I disagree with. I'll obey what seems reasonable to me, what I feel like doing, what fits my priorities, my schedule, what I believe, but then I'm going to ignore the things that don't make me very happy. People do that all the time. They pick and choose what they believe about the Bible. The problem is is that's not an option if you're going to be obedient to God. The word of God is accurate. It is true. You can't you accept it all or none of it. It's just like obedience. Any hesitation in obedience is disobedience. If I begin to leave out any part of this word, then I'm leaving all of it out. We take it as it is or not. Jonah thought he could just obey what he wanted and then disobey the things that didn't seem pleasing to him. He had the wrong attitude. Luke 6:46 Jesus says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, if you're not willing to do what I say? If you're not willing to obey me, then I'm not really your Lord. And that's just true for us. The issue of lordship. Who's in control of my life? Who calls the shots? Is it God? Is it Jesus? Or is it myself or somebody else? Who is really Lord? You know, Jonah had to know that he couldn't run away from the presence of God. God. I mean, it's just like David says in Psalm 139. He says, where can I go from your spirit? David do this. He couldn't run away. Where can I flee from your presence? If I send to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the dawn, if I dwell in the remotest part of the sea, even there your hand will lead me and your right hand will lay hold of me. If I say, surely the darkness will overwhelm me and the light around me will be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. And the night is as bright as the day. Darkness and light are alike to you. Now that is a positive thing, as in the psalm, that God will never leave us. He'll never, we, there's nowhere we can go that he, he can't find us. He's always with us. But the other part of that is, I can't run away from God. There's nowhere I can run where he can't get me. If I'm a child of his, he's always with me. Jonah had to know that. But he thought, here's his mistake, he thought he could turn in his resignation. Okay, he thought, I, you know what? This, I didn't sign up for this. I'm turning in my resignation. I'm going to Joppa. I'm out of here. But he forgot, as we learn in Romans, God's call, his gifts are irrevocable. Once, God call, once you're his, you're his. Your life belongs to him. He calls the shots. You can't resign. It's just not how it works. You, you see in Scripture, I mean, David Or Moses, Elijah, even David, you know, failed miserably at one point in his life. But Moses, Elijah, Jeremiah, all those guys at some point wanted to quit. But God wouldn't let them. Because he knew that he was bigger than their doubts. And ultimately they followed. The truth is, Jonah needed Nineveh as much as Nineveh needed Jonah. We've already established part of the reason why. But here's the other reason. For us, it's in doing the will of God that we grow in the grace of God and become more like the Son of God. I mean, God uses obedience, our service of Him, again, to mold us, to perfect us in our faith. We have to obey. Jonah also had the wrong attitude toward his circumstances. He thought they were working for him. They were actually working against him. You know, you, again, I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time here. We've already talked about this, but your circumstance, you can be living outside the will of God and your circumstances still seem favorable. Circumstances can be misleading. God can use circumstances to speak to you, but your circumstances can also be misleading. Uh, Don't just trust your circumstances. Jonah was making this mistake. Everything seemed to be pointing to him getting out of town. He had secured this ticket. He had gotten on this ship. Everything seemed to be going his way. Little did he know that things were about to change in a drastic way, but you can't just trust your circumstances. That's why, again, affirm and reaffirm in the scriptures. If you feel God speaking to you, go to his word. His word will never lie. His word will never fail you. The final reason Jonah ran away is because he had the wrong attitude toward the Gentiles. Now listen, the Ninevites were not good people. They were enemies of God's people. They were evil. They, they were dangerous. This was not just, okay, go down to the corner here and share Jesus with the first person you see. Chances are that person's not going to want to kill you, okay? Maybe they will, but chances are around here you're going to be pretty safe, all right? These were people who were evil, that killed people, that did wicked, wicked things. As a matter of fact, we look at Nahum, the prophet, his entire prophecy was about the wickedness of the Ninevites. Look at Nahum chapter 3 verses 1 through 4. Woe to the bloody city. That's how they describe the city of Nineveh. Woe to the bloody city, completely full of lies and pillage. Her prey never departs. The noise of the whip, the noise of the rattling of the wheel, galloping horses, bounding chariots, horsemen charging, swords flashing, spears gleaming, many slain, a mass. Of corpses, countless dead bodies. they stumble over dead bodies, all because of the many harlotries of the harlot, the charming one, the mistresses of sorceries, the mistress of sorceries, who sells nations by her harlotries and families by her resources. They were a bad, bad people. And Jonah's problem, it just kind of shows us, Jonah's problem really wasn't with God. Jonah's problem is that he didn't like the Ninevites. I mean, you you can't blame him. But the issue here is that Jonah wasn't called to like the Ninevites. He was called to share the message God had given him to the Ninevites. He knew, though, you think, longtime enemies of the nation of Israel— And he knew that if he went to Nineveh and he preached a message of judgment and they repented, if they turned from their sin and turned to God, he knew that God would save them. That was his problem. It wasn't with the message. It wasn't with whether or not God was calling him. It was he didn't want to deliver the message on the off chance that they might listen and repent. He didn't want them to be saved. He just didn't like them was what it boiled down to. And again, God's not calling him to like them but instead of wanting them to experience the truth of God's word the love of God the grace of God he wanted to abandon them to their spiritual darkness and death we see evidence later that does happen right he delivers the message we'll talk about this as we go through the series they do repent and here's Jonah's response if there's any question here's his response in chapter four he complained to the Lord didn't I say before I left home that you would do this, Lord? I knew it. That's why I ran away from and the, to begin with. I knew that you are a merciful and compassionate God, slow to get angry, filled with unfailing love. You're eager to turn your back from destroying people. Jonah, and, and listen, who can blame him? These were evil people, and any of us probably would have felt the same way. But he just didn't value them. But here's the problem our value is not determined by anything we do or don't do. Now, now what is this? This is what we had for dinner last night, right? Partly because I needed it for this illustration this morning. (laughs) And partly because, you know, if I give Timmy the choice, he's going to choose pizza every time, right? Uh, Think about this, okay? Let's say you order a pizza, delivery guy shows up, and He doesn't have this. All he has is your pizza in his hand, grease dripping down his arm, down his elbow, and he says, here you go. What's your response going to be? Yeah, Yeah, no. Suddenly, this right here is pretty valuable, isn't it? Right now, it costs about 30 cents to make this box. It's not very valuable, but when it comes to that, it's valuable. Think about the other way around, okay? Let's say the pizza guy shows up and he says, here's your pizza, opens it up and It's just like this. It's gone. So suddenly, is this box valuable to you? Not anymore. What makes the box valuable? What's on the inside, right? Listen, it's the same with us. What makes you valuable? If you're asking yourself this morning, are are you valuable? Here's what makes you valuable. It's not anything you have or haven't done in the past. It's not how you look. It's not how much you have or don't have. It's not how much you've accomplished. What makes me valuable is the fact that Jesus is on the inside of me. His Holy Spirit lives within me. And the reason that's the case is because he valued me enough to die for me. So listen, your value is not determined on anything other than the fact that Jesus values you. Jonah should have valued the Ninevites not because of what they did or didn't do. He should have valued them because God obviously valued them enough to give them an opportunity to experience his grace. He should have valued them because God valued them. Because the truth is, as evil as they were, any sin that we commit, even if it's just a little white lie, is just as evil as any of the sins they committed. It's all sin to God. We should value people unless, you may not want anybody dead, you may not think they're evil, but throughout history, God's people have refused to share the love of Christ because of a lot of different reasons. Prejudice, hatred, you know, bitterness, whatever, the color of people's skin, there's been a lot of reasons that people have refused to share the gospel, but the truth is, we should value people because God values them. And we should share the love of God with whoever he leads us to share it. Now, I'm not saying compromise. I'm not saying change the message to make people feel good. No, the message was judgment. Okay, But the issue wasn't the message. The issue was he didn't like the people. We should share the love of God, his grace. Jonah was more concerned about the history of the Ninevites and his hatred for them than he was about the salvation of the Ninevites and God's love for them. God obviously... Valued them enough to give them an opportunity to hear his message time and time again. Though we refuse to share the love of God because it's inconvenient or we just don't simply, simply don't like the people he's calling us to minister to. Because it's uncomfortable or they're living a way we don't agree with. But still, we're called to reach out. When God speaks, we have to obey. Because hearing is not the same as obeying. We have to obey. Why? Because reality number four, when God speaks, there are consequences for obedience and there are consequences for disobedience. If Jonah obeyed, it would have spared, he would have spared himself a lot of heartache and discomfort. Okay? And we'll look into what that was like in the weeks to come. But he chose to disobey. And as a result, there would have been consequences for obedience But there were consequences for disobedience as well. The results that he experienced as he ran are results that you and I will experience. Maybe not getting swallowed by a fish, okay? But there are going to be results. There are parallels that we can draw that we will experience if we choose to run away from God. First of all, Jonah's course was downhill. I don't think it's I don't think there are coincidences in the word of God and I don't think it was a coincidence that God that Jonah went from where he was down to Joppa. I think that this is painting a word picture and here's why. Any path away from God's will for your life for my life is always downhill. The way of the Lord is up, any path away from God is downhill. You're going to be going downward, okay? Trust the Lord, obey God. Any other path away from him is down. But there's another reason. Donald Barnhouse, he, he, in preaching on this, he focuses in on that, that phrase, paying the fare. Jonah paid the price of the ticket. But did Jonah get to his destination? No, he didn't. He paid full price. He got thrown overboard. I doubt they threw a refund over with him. <laughs> and he certainly did not get to where he was going. And that's a lesson for us all. If we disobey God, we're going to pay the full price and we'll never get to where we think we're going, where we want to be. However, if we trust God, if we obey him, he pays the price and we always get to where he wants us to go. We always get to our destination. Obey God, you get to where he wants you to be. Disobey, you'll never get there. Doesn't matter how hard you try. And the path is always downhill. Always. There are two choices. Plain and simple. It's a children's story, simple message, simple application. Two choices, obey God or disobey. One leads to fulfilling his plan for your life, the the comfort, the security of knowing God, getting to your destination. The other leads to destruction. It leads to heartache, it leads to trials. It's just like this. How many of you have a cordless drill, any type of drill that you, you have used or at least you know the concept, right? Okay. A drill has two, two directions, forward and reverse. All right. Now I have, that's forward. See, I've already gotten it mixed up. So I have been drilling or working on something. And if I've got it, I've noticed from time to time that when I, especially when I'm, I'm putting a lot of screws in, taking a lot of screws out, maybe I'm taking something apart or I'm drilling something, It happens often that you get mixed up, right? You'll go to drill, to screw in a screw, and then you realize you've got it in reverse instead of having it in forward. Now, what happens when you do that? Nothing, right? Okay, I'll show you. Just to show you, to make sure you know that I'm not lying to you, in forward, in the right speed, if you go the right direction, you drill it. It goes in, right? Right into the table, if you're not careful. But same drill, same type of screw, You go the other direction, and what happens? Eventually, it's going to start smoking, and you might have fire, right? Okay? Now, as a matter of fact, it gets pretty hot. But simple concept, right? Two different directions. One's the right way, one's not, depending on what you're doing. If you're trying to screw into something, one's right, one's wrong. Same with obedience. I can obey God. I can go His way. I'll always... Fulfill my task. I'll always reach my destination. If I don't, then I'm never going to get anywhere. I'm just going to be spinning. Now listen, obedience will not get you to heaven in terms of good works. But obedience in terms of Jesus says, I'm offering you salvation. Will you accept it? Yes or no? Yes gets you to your destination. And what happened when in reverse, eventually that, that screw is going to start smoking Eventually, you'll have, you might have a fire. Disobedience in the sense that, no, I will not accept you, Jesus, will lead to smoke, destruction, hell. At the very beginning of my relationship with God, it's an issue of obedience. Don't earn my salvation, but I have to accept. I have to hear his voice and respond to his voice. As I walk with him daily, two choices. One way, obedience. The other way, destruction. Destruction. You won't lose your salvation, but you will live a miserable existence. Can't imagine it was too comfortable in the belly of that fish. Can you? God's way is always best. Because he is the only one who really, really knows what's best for you and who really has a way of providing what's best for you and for me. Even if it doesn't seem like it's what's best. Even if it seems dangerous. Even if you don't like the assignment. In the end... Even if you have to suffer, in the end, it's what's best. It's an issue of faith. So here's your question. Here's my question. Two choices. Which way are you running? Are you running with God, to Him, or are you running away from God? You know the results. One's really good, one's not so great. Which way are you running this morning? Let's go before the Lord in prayer. Father, we know... That you give us clear choices. There's a lot of your word that we don't understand, and there's a lot that we do. There are some things that are confusing, but there are some things that are so very crystal clear. And one of those is when you speak, and we know it's you, there's no question that it's you, do we say yes or do we say no? Do we obey or do we disobey? Lord, I pray that whatever you are speaking to us today, there may be some here in this room that you're speaking to for the first time. They've never accepted salvation. They don't know you. They may not even know how to get to you. But, but through your Holy Spirit, you're speaking to them now, showing them that you gave your son Jesus. Jesus, you gave your life. You were buried, you died, you were buried, you were raised from the dead so that we could have eternal life. And right now you're speaking into their hearts, drawing them to yourself, and they have a decision to make. Will I accept Jesus as Lord and Savior, the salvation that only is available through him, or will I reject it? There may be others today, those of us who want to serve you and we want to obey you with our lives, and you're, there may be some here you're, you're calling to do something big for you. Your calls, your tasks are always God-sized, and there may be some here today that are struggling with obedience. Will I follow God even if I don't know how it's all going to work out, even if it seems scary or dangerous, or will I disobey and run away? Lord, I pray that the desire of our hearts would be to, to know you so that we can recognize your voice, but also to obey you. Lord, just speak to us now in this moment. Show us what we're to do. If there's a decision that needs to be made, church membership, baptism, as we saw Remington do faithfully this morning, uh, another decision, Lord, just speak to us and let us be obedient. I pray that we would be obedient to you today. Always. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you stand for our time of commitment?